This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with uh, my co-host, Graham Williams. Thanks for coming in the show today. Always happy to be here. Lots to talk about on today's program, including looking at augmented reality. We're hearing more and more about that, and uh, we're going to learn today how it's being used in business. There's a lot more uh, happening there than you might think. Let's talk about some of the tech news this week, uh, Graham. Uh, we hear a lot about self-driving cars and trucks happening more and more, but uh, this is uh, news. A self-driving semi-truck just made its first cross-country trip. This is kind of exciting. I mean, we've got a lot of uh, people out there, and there actually is a shortage of long-haul truckers right now. So this is something where it's a critical critical piece of our infrastructure here in North America. And so having a vehicle that uh, can help uh, you know, get things across the country um, in an automated way, and hopefully as we move forward, uh, using electric vehicles instead of um, you know uh, gas-powered vehicles. This is actually it's kind of the best of both worlds, really. So this particular truck uh, drove from Los Angeles, California, did a 2,400-mile trip to Jacksonville, Florida, in five days, traveling for hours at a time with no disengagements. Meaning that uh, I guess the uh, uh, safety driver didn't have to jump in. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of those things where you need to currently with the way that autonomous vehicles work, you need to have a driver who is alert and on hand at all times. Uh, But, uh, you know, from what we're hearing from people who have driven with these vehicles is it's quite a bit less tiring. It's less exhausting to be in that situation where you're monitoring as opposed to having to actively make these decisions. So it's uh, it's an interesting experiment. And uh, obviously, we're going to see more in autonomous vehicles over the course of the next half decade. I'm very excited for this. Uh, this was an interesting story, kind of a science-y bent to it. Stronger than steel, able to stop a speeding bullet, it's super wood. This is a, a story in scientificamerican.com. Yeah, and so essentially here is it's taking the uh, the cellulose base of, of wood and uh, being able to reinforce it into a material that is stronger than steel and in some cases transparent. So if you think back to Star Trek IV, um, you know, Scotty goes on the search for transparent aluminum to uh, save <laughs> the whales. Save the whales, yes. I've, I've been waiting for transparent aluminum. I will take transparent wood if we can get it, if it's stronger than steel. And so this isn't just taking like a slab of wood. They're actually boiling wood in uh, like a, a solution of sodium hydroxide and sodium sulfite, uh, like a, a chemical that's a chemical treatment that's similar to the first step in creating uh, wood pulp used in making paper. Yeah, and apparently a quite a bit more energy efficient than creating steel as well. So this could be a bold new future for us uh, where we are growing uh, the materials that we need to, you know, get off the planet and do other cool things as opposed to having to dig it out of the planet and forge it. Uh, Story in The Guardian, police may need artificial intelligence to help cope with huge volumes of evidence. So this is kind of an interesting one because we've actually just seen a program launch here in Canada called Arachnid uh, using AI to help determine, uh, you know, whether or not images are, um, uh, you know, images of sexual assault or child pornography. There's so much digital evidence nowadays. I mean, we create uh, so much evidence with our text messages, our emails, our phone calls, um, and all of this stuff. I mean, if you're, uh, you know, sending uh, pictures and videos around, they're all replicable. So basically, you know, you have one, you send a copy. Now there's two of them. They send a copy. There's three of them. So basically, police are enlisting the help of AI to filter through this using digital fingerprints on files and metadata to be able to sort a lot of this stuff. And it's really, I mean, AI is going to be key in cutting down and cutting through that and getting to the core of what it is that they need to continue an investigation. Is that scary, though, at the same time, uh, you know, having that much power to look into all this 
Well, I, I think the key data. thing here is, and it's a, it's a lot, like, lot like what we're doing with Arachnid, where um, the AI is filtering and prioritizing things, and then a human being has to come in and make a decision based on what the AI is presenting to it. I think that's sort of the best of both worlds. You get the AI to do the heavy lifting, you get the humans to do the precision work, and that's actually a, a good uh, cooperative environment. Chinese police are adding facial recognition glasses uh, for surveillance. This is brilliant. I think this is and scary. Oh, it, th- it's scary. I, but I mean, it's it's you know, it's one of those things where if you are looking for a fugitive in the crowd, um, and you know, you've got a crowd in front of you, the human brain is only capable of processing so much data. There, um, if we can actually have these things, um, you know, again, with, when a warrant has been issued, and uh, you know, they're they're actively looking for someone, I think this is a great way to go about it. Okay, it, <laughs> it's China. Do you think they're getting a warrant <laughs> to to have these glasses on and scan crowds? Absolutely not. But no. I firmly. But how do you feel about that? So what if we outfit all the police with these facial recognition glasses? Because the technology is is there uh, and available. I'm I'm sure we're going to start seeing it. How do you feel about that? I mean, that to me, if it's always on and it's scanning everyone, I think that's probably an issue that uh, violates privacy. I mean, especially... What if if it catches like, you know... Criminals. Well, now here's the thing. Um, it, you know, if it's uh, something where again a warrant has been issued and we're not recording the data, I think that we're we're getting to a better place. I mean, we but all want to stop make, crime. They'll make the argument that you know this will help find terrorists or it'll help find murderers that are on the loose. Someone's going to pull out the think of the children at some point. I know. Yes, but so yes, I can see the benefits there. But what if they start using it? Oh, hey, there's Mike Gagarbo. He's got three hundred dollars in unpart in unpaid traffic tickets. Uh, you know, and that that's really the thing, right? Like, is has there been a warrant issued? There should be a gateway system for this where it's not looking at everybody. Um, you know, it's it's looking for very specific people for very specific things, and it has to go through our, our legal system. But that, so I read this story, and I'm thinking, yeah, why hasn't this happened yet? Because that technology is all out there. The facial recognition uh, for photos, it's being used everywhere now and we are seeing these augmented reality glasses we'll be talking more about augmented reality uh, in this uh, program today for business uh, but the technology is all here well that's it you can't stop the technology what we can do is we can have good policy and we can have uh, you know make sure that our law enforcement officials are making good decisions that also account for the privacy of people that's really where we need to make sure that there is a strong push for uh, the rights of everyone, right? It's not about stopping the technology. It's making sure that the technology is used the right, the right way. You're listening to Get Connected. Mike Yagerbo here with Graham Williams today. We're uh, talking about some of the tech news. Google's Yet- Yeti is reportedly a gaming hardware streaming service beast. So this is just, I mean, it's another wonderful place where Google has decided to dip their fingers into something. Um, you know, I firmly believe that we'll probably see Yeti launch. It'll launch at an incredibly low price. They'll grab a bunch of market share and then they'll cancel it in a year. So <laughs> explain explain to the listeners what they're trying to do here. Well, this this is a it's it's a service a lot like what we're starting to see with PlayStation now. Microsoft has their uh, their Xbox games uh, the the live service, and essentially um, what we're starting to see a move towards is actually cloud processing for video games. So you know, with uh, some PlayStation three games, some PlayStation four games, a lot of Xbox One games, um, the services essentially you can play through the cloud. They they have processing in the back end, um, so you have a little set top box that basically is handling the data coming in and out, but it doesn't have the processor in it. Um, You know, we've seen this a a couple of times in the past where we've seen um, uh, services, I can't remember the name of it now, but um, 
we've seen services like this in the past where essentially you subscribe to uh, the gaming model. You get a controller, you get a set-top box, and you can play it, and it's streaming services. So there's no cartridge or disc or anything, or it's not on the hard drive, it's streaming over the internet. That's right, yeah. And so essentially, you don't need to buy the expensive hardware. You buy a cheap streaming box, and you're able to play the games, either you know buying the games outright or uh, paying a monthly service fee. Interesting option, and I mean, if Google can make this work, great. They're jumping into a, a place where there are a lot of people in this pool already. So the question is, what are they going to bring to this uh, that's actually going to make it you know, more interesting and more beneficial? Finally, the Apple Watch can detect diabetes with an 85% accuracy, a cardiogram study says. This is kind of a, a cool feature. We're actually starting to see Apple Watch used... Um, in, in quite a few more health scenarios. Uh, you know, it's doing a great job of protecting people uh, potentially having heart issues. Uh, so it, it tracks your heart rate. And if it doesn't track the uh, appropriate movement and your heart rate jumps, it says, you know, you may be having a heart issue, get it checked out. So this is kind of a, a cool one where we're starting to see um, basically using that heart rate sensor and artificial intelligence, it can identify diabetes, basically looking at the hallmarks of diabetes in your blood flow. Kind of a very cool feature. Yeah, it's amazing. So this uh, particular study used data from 14,000 Apple Watch users, and they were able to detect that uh, 462 of them had diabetes by using the watch's heart rate sensor. Yeah, absolutely brilliant things that we're starting to see. Again, correlation and causation uh, being determined by you know technology. It's absolutely fantastic stuff. So let's look at some of the other things that can detect. Uh, the Apple Watch can uh, detect abnormal heart rhythm with up to 97% accuracy, sleep apnea with a 90% accuracy, and hypertension with 82% accuracy uh, when paired with cardiograms, uh, artificial and intelligence-based uh, algorithm. I, I won't lie to you. Actually, I just bought Apple Watches for both my parents. And um, because it's one of those things where they had Fitbits before, but I think the heart tracking is something that's very important for them. Um, you know, we have a history of heart disease in my family. So being able to uh, have that, you know, check on my dad is kind of an important thing. And, you know, being able to identify that with 97% accuracy, I think is great. I mean, the other feature as well, what I'm finding is um, GPS which is, you know, on the Apple Watch and obviously paired in with your, uh, with your phone, uh, find my friends. I can actually keep an eye on where they are. Um, you know, they, uh, they drive through uh, Brant, Ontario, which there's a long stretch of highway, which in the winter uh, can get quite dangerous. My mom had a, had a, a flat tire um, at 11 o'clock at night, and we were able to send out um, CAA to get her some help at that time. To the right location. To the right location, yeah. That's kind of cool. It's kind of neat, yeah. So Apple and you're Watch, also your, but you're tracking your parents. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you with know, their permission, of with course. With their permission, yes. and uh, you know, with the the facial recognition glasses, I'll be able to see wherever they are at any time. Sort of a every step you take. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you creepy man. Uh, when we come back from the break, there's still lots more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Uh, we'll be uh, looking into augmented reality and uh, how some uh, car technicians are using that now to diagnose problems from thousands of miles away. And we'll also be talking about uh, Tesla's latest heavy Falcon launch and how they've launched a car into space. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Egerbo here with Graham Williams today. Still lots more to talk about on today's program, including augmented reality. Where is it heading next? Will we start seeing it in uh, businesses? Well, yes. What kind? We'll let you know. Uh, history was made uh, this week, Graham. The Falcon Heavy from SpaceX, one of the largest, most powerful operational rockets in the world by a factor of two, had a successful launch. And it was absolutely beautiful. 
stage two, pressing for flight. Six, five, four, three, two, If you haven't had a chance to uh, watch that video uh, live or on YouTube, uh, you have to check it out. It's just uh, awe-inspiring. I, uh, I I watched this live, and um, it was one of those moments where you see this thing take off, and I think all of us held our breath because the the initial ignition is probably the most dangerous part. But it does not become uh, you know exhale worthy until we get to the point where there's been separation, the boosters have come off, and we're actually in orbit. And so through that whole process, you know, we're sitting here with beta breath. And, you know, we see these boosters separate and there was this amazing simultaneous landing as both of them came back down to Earth. And then we heard something absolutely incredible as the fairing comes off and we see uh, the Tesla Roadster in space. So, yeah, amazingly enough, uh, obviously spent gazillions of dollars on this test flight to launch a car into space. I, I think it started as a bit of a joke. You know, uh, Elon, I think, had he tweeted out, we're going to put a Tesla Roadster onto Falcon Heavy. And I'm not sure if that was the actual initial intent, but at that point, the internet picked up on it. And so it became a thing. And so atop the uh, the Falcon Heavy, there is a red, cherry red, beautiful Tesla Roadster piloted by a dummy in one of Tesla's spacesuits uh, that they've dubbed Starman. And you can actually watch this live right now as Starman continues to orbit uh, around the Earth. Um, we've lost the, uh, the the trajectory for a Mars orbit, so it looks like Starman's actually going to end up in the asteroid belt. Um, but uh, absolutely incredible uh, first launch for this program. Like, well, let's talk about the significance of this. Why why is he doing this? Well, I mean, there, there's a, a lot of reasons. Um, you know, we've needed a new launch platform um, out of the United States um, over the course of the last, you know, I think it's six or seven years. Uh, we've been relying on Russian rockets to get us up to the ISS. Um, and there is a drive afoot to get us back to the moon and back to Mars. Um, you know, I've mentioned in the past that I think that uh, Elon Musk has looked at uh, a variety of technologies, and while they are beneficial for Earth, Earth is really the beta test for getting us off the planet. When you take a look at the Boring Company, you take a look at Solar City, Tesla, the Powerwall, the autonomous vehicles, all of this stuff is, you know, you basically get things off the planet, get them onto the moon or get them onto Mars, um, where it could actually autonomously go about building a destination for humans to go to. Uh, he basically has made a mission to get to Mars uh, in in the 20s. And I, I look at this and I think, what a great thing, because, you know, NASA, unfortunately, has, through a number of administrations, had their budgets cut over and over and over again. I mean, we spend so much on weapons, we spend so much on sending troops overseas, and we have this small little agency that, unfortunately, gets this massive amount of attention when it comes to budget cuts, where you could really reallocate, um, you know, some of this money to space exploration. And when you think of it this way, you know, we've had a number of extinction level events that have happened on this planet over the course of millions of years. One of those happening to us when we are, you know, locked on this planet right now means the human species is wiped out. 
Um, so the for better or for worse for better or for worse. So the the only way really for us to survive as a species is to not be here alone, uh, to find a place whether that's the moon, whether that's Mars, whether that's terraforming Venus, whether that's getting out of the solar system. And if we're so busy squabbling with each other on this planet and fighting with each other on this planet, we're never going to do it. So somebody like Elon Musk has looked at it and just went, you know what? These are the things that we need to get off of this planet. I'm going to build them. Well, it's amazing. Uh, it's a private company. How much they've been able to drive the cost down on uh, space uh, satellite uh, delivery. Uh, you know, it's a fraction of the cost of what it costs the government to send up uh, things. And they can do it by using reusable booster rockets. Yeah. And I mean, those boosters, when they did land, we had the two side boosters that came down and they landed again, beautifully simultaneously. Uh, heavy core, unfortunately, didn't land on the drone ship. Um, I'm not sure if it's been destroyed or not, but I think uh, it hit the ocean. It hit the ocean. Yeah. yeah so it, hopefully there's something salvageable there. But I mean, the whole point here is to reuse as much as possible, which was the idea behind the shuttle back in the in the 70s, 80s and 90s and through to the early 2000s, unfortunately, until the Columbia disaster. Um, but, you know, there really was never the economy of scale that you could find with the shuttle. So Falcon right now um, and, and Tesla with Falcon Heavy and with all of their additional SpaceX uh, stuff, they're looking at basically building something where we can send these things up, we can bring them back down, we can send them back up again in a very efficient way. Um, you know, they really set a goal for themselves and they're accountable to themselves and they're accountable to uh, their clients, but they're also accountable to the public. And it really looks like they're doing a lot of stuff in the way of the public good here. Again, uh, check out SpaceX's uh, YouTube channel if you want to see uh, some of the footage of uh, the uh, Falcon Heavy lifting off. Simply amazing. Uh, what was even more amazing is the two booster rockets landing by themselves. That was that was kind of eerie. Yeah. The, the, the one of the funniest things that I saw, so, you know, right after those booster rockets landed, the fairing comes off, we see the Tesla Roadster. Within two minutes, someone had updated the Tesla Roadster's Wikipedia page to its fastest speed now is 11 kilometers per second. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Get Connected right now. Uh, Mike Agarbo, I've got uh, Graham Williams here with me today. When we come back from the break, still more tech to talk, including augmented reality, how uh, car service technicians are using uh, smart glasses to solve car problems from thousands of miles away. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio today. Still lots to talk about on today's uh, program. Uh, we will be uh, going into uh, a bit of uh, augmented reality in the next segment uh, using smart glasses and uh, talking about how uh, car technicians now are using uh, the technology to service cars from thousands of miles away. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We're uh, giving away an Ancestry.ca DNA kit. Find out uh, where your ancestors uh, were from. Uh, again, getconnectedmedia.com. Check out the contest page and enter to win. Well, we shop uh, around for things like flights and hotel rooms and TVs, but do we always shop for the best rates on things like credit cards and mortgages? Probably not. I know I, I, I don't uh, do that as well as I should. On the line, we've uh, got a guest from ratehub.ca. It's the CEO, Alyssa Furtado. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I wish that I kind of knew more about your website before I got my mortgage because I just got, you know, like the <laughs> we, do, we do too. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm probably very typical. I, uh, I just basically went to my bank and said, hey, you know, I need to renew my mortgage, but I didn't really shop around. Uh, do you find that with a lot of Canadians? Yeah, it's a very common trend and Canadians lag behind our counterparts in the U.S. and the U.K. when it comes to comparison shopping for financial products. And so 
tell tell the listeners just kind of an overview of what ratehub.ca can offer. So you come to ratehub.ca to find the best deals on mortgage rates, credit cards, insurance products, and banking products. And we help consumers not only find the best deals, but also just understand the dif- the differences between products and and what product makes products make the most sense for them. It's almost like using Expedia, um, but instead of hotels or flights, you're looking for personal finance products. And can they get a better deal on on mortgages? I mean, do all the mortgage lenders uh, do you have them all up there? Uh, we have the vast majority, and we really go, you know, target making sure we have coverage from the biggest banks and financial institutions. Um, but we also find that a lot of the credit unions, the smaller banks, and the online banks, they're getting more and more competitive with rates and products because they don't have that same legacy brand that the banks have built, and so they have to compete for consumers from a product and rate perspective. So there's absolutely... Um, there can absolutely be better deals to, to be had the more you comparison shop. I love this. Uh, just going through your site here, you even have an education center where uh, you've got everything from like home buying guide, renewing guide, refinancing. Uh, you've got basically everything here that someone would need to uh, look at uh, getting into a mortgage, even like mortgage calculators. Yeah, we definitely get so much uh, awesome positive feedback from our users on our calculators. And on the mortgage side, we've if you use our payment calculator, we help users compare the difference in CMHC insurance depending on how much they put down and to think about their closing costs, additional monthly carrying costs, um, and even, you know, think about what might happen if rates were to go up, how their payments would be impacted and changed. Also looking uh, on the site here as well, uh, and again, I wish I'd seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> what credit card do you have? I know, I almost don't want to do this interview. I'm feeling bad about all the crappy <laughs> interest rates I'm paying right now. Uh, credit cards, you can basically compare uh, the cards, not every, not only from interest rates, but uh, things like travel rewards and, and, and what have you. Yeah, well, what we've done with travel rewards is we've converted points into dollars and figured out, you know, if you spend $100 a month across these different categories and users can set their profile to match their spending, we tell them what credit card will yield them the best rewards or the most value back each year. Um, and, and again, it's often surprising. Um, it, you know, the chances that it's your bank and your credit card that perform the best is actually quite low. Um, and that's specific, as you mentioned, to travel rewards, but we've also got low interest and balance transfer. Um, so depending on what you need, you've got to figure out what credit card is best for you. I, I love that. I love the, the fact that you can actually just all in one uh, step here, uh, for example, find out you know, the interest rates for all the most popular cards out there. That would have made my life a lot easier if I had had that uh, tool before. Yes, def- definitely. Uh, what are some of the other features on uh, ratehub.ca that people can get into? So another great one is bank accounts. So, and, and there we really segmented into two major types. So if you're looking to save money, um, high interest savings accounts. So there's uh, a great rate offered by EQ Bank. Great example, you can start create the account online, transfer your money online, um, but comes with some really impactful rates. We saw rates last year as high as 2.3%, which is pretty exciting. Um, and then on checking accounts, we actually compare by cost. So which checking account will cost you the least each month? Um, Because most people checking accounts less about earning interest and more about reducing fees. So we're really just, you know, across each of the major financial products, figuring out how to get Canadians the best deals. 
You also uh, have uh, an investing section as well. Yeah, so GICs. And so what can people find out uh, through that section? So for, for GICs, you can see um, which providers are offering the highest rates, so the best rate of return. Um, and then you can also see which products come with CDIC insurance. And so that shows that you, you would be covered up to $100,000 um, if for any reason anything happened to the underlying financial institution. So just a bit of extra protection. And, and finally here, uh, you, seem, uh, you have all, all sorts of insurance uh, comparisons as well. Yeah, so insurance comparisons um, across auto, home, and life, and those are really the big um, personal lines. Um, and this, we've actually just launched into insurance and are looking to, this is an area we really want to invest in because we've, we've really, you know, in speaking to Canadians, learned that not everybody knows exactly what type of insurance to get or how much they need. And, you know, we definitely want to make sure that Canadians aren't over-insuring, but we also want to make sure they're not under-insuring. So, um, you know, over the next 12 and 24 months, we're really going to be helping Canadians find the best rates on insurance and make sure that they're, they're getting into the right coverage. And so uh, how does RateHub uh, make money out of all of this? That's a great question. So we partner with many financial institutions, so banks, credit unions, trust companies. Um, and so when we, we essentially help facilitate customer introductions or provide them with advertising opportunities. Very cool. And how long has uh, RateHub.ca been around? It has been around for over eight years. Oh, wow. So we're Canada's, yeah, we launched in 2010. We're Canada's largest financial product comparison website um, and, uh, and see over uh, 600,000 Canadians each month. So um, it, it's a pretty awesome story and we're ex- excited to keep growing. Yeah, and that includes me now as well. <laughs> <laughs> we just have to rewind and redo all oh of your God, yeah. uh, financial decisions. <laughs> but we do encourage our users to perform a health check every year to check in on, uh, you know, mortgages. It's a little more dependent on your term, but uh, for savings accounts and checking accounts and, and especially credit cards, it's always great to look in once a year. Very cool. Thanks uh, for joining us today. No problem. Thanks so much for having me. That was Alyssa Furtado from RateHub.ca. We still have lots more to talk about on today's program, including App of the Week at the end of the show with uh, Graham Williams. Uh, and we'll also be checking in on augmented reality. We're hearing more and more about that. Uh, Apple and Android getting into it in a big way. Uh, but a lot of businesses are using it now to help save money. So we'll explore uh, some of the uses uh, for that. Don't forget to hit our website, GetConnectedMedia.com. We have lots of great content up there. Uh, the latest uh, product reviews, tips and tricks for your smartphone, uh, all that and more, and contests as well. Uh, Don't forget to enter the Ancestry.ca contest to win your own DNA kit. Find out where you are from. When we come back from the break, augmented reality here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Today I've got... uh, a great guest uh, in studio to talk about uh, augmented reality. You hear a lot about it on the uh, show. Apple's been getting into it in a big way with their latest iPhones and their AR kit. Well, there's uh, also a lot of business applications for that as well. Uh, we've got Jeff Wheelwright from Athir. Thanks for coming in. You're welcome. So uh, some people are starting to get familiar with uh, augmented reality. You can do some kind of cool things with your smartphone and these augmented reality apps. Pokemon uh, Go would be a great example. Uh, but uh, business is starting to look at this uh, in uh, in different ways as well. 
That's correct. In fact, industry, uh, manufacturing, service, aviation, are looking at it really hard. One of the things that augmented reality does really, really well, particularly if you're using smart glasses, uh, is it allows you to do your work with digital information hands-free. Uh, and that's in incredibly powerful from everything from doing video conferencing within the smart glasses uh, right uh, up to looking at PDFs, instructional information, videos, all kinds of digital information uh, without having to use any specialized equipment other than the smart glasses. I think, you know, a lot of people might think of these smart glasses and think back to the uh, the Google ones. Uh, what were they, the Google Air? Uh, Google Glass. Google yes. Glass, sorry, uh, which didn't really take off or capture the the population's imagination as uh, I guess they thought it would. Yeah, I think that the challenge with Google Glass was there was no really great consumer application and it just seemed kind of creepy. Yeah, you look kind of weird walking around, no, you know, people knowing that you're potentially taking pictures of them. And uh, I tried them and I just, I don't know, I didn't see anything spectacular about them. But uh, there are a lot of manufacturers that make augmented reality glasses. That's right, there are. And, and uh, you have uh, companies like uh, ODG and Epson, and uh, both of which are our partners, uh, as well as Vuzix, another partner, which had a big launch uh, at CES with their uh, Blade Smart Glasses um, that have uh, Amazon uh, Alexa enablement. Thank God. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, talk about one of the uh, applications uh, uh, that your company has has done? So uh, our flagship product is a, a product called Air Enterprise. And what it is, is it's uh, augmented reality software for smart glasses for use in industry. So you can imagine a scenario where, say, a mechanic is working on an engine um, and they're facing problems that they really need help with. Um, one of our customers is uh, uh, Porsche Cars North America. I've heard of them. <laughs> yes. And they have some really, really nice, expensive cars. And the people who have those cars have high expectations, understandably, uh, of the service quality and repair times. So uh, what uh, they would do is if they had a particularly difficult case, uh, they would involve experts at their head office in Atlanta and be able to fly them in um, to work on a particular problem. That sounds expensive. It is expensive yes. and time consuming. Yeah. Um, so with smart glasses, uh, they can use what we would call a see what I see feature. So the video camera within the smart glasses allows the remote expert um, who is at their headquarters in Atlanta to see exactly what the mechanic is looking at right down to what the serial number is, how much wear there is on a particular part, uh, where the part is in the engine, etc., to be able to help diagnose remotely what the problem is. That is kind of cool. So the mechanic can be here in Vancouver. He's got the glasses on, and they have a camera in them, yep. and sending all that information back to Atlanta. Yes. In addition to which, um, they're able to bring up within the smart glasses instructions about how to do a particular procedure. And then the information about that work is also recorded by the system. So they can see, okay, well, there's 15 steps here, a uh, little trouble here on step three, and step 15 is problematic, and people aren't typically doing step 11. Um, so all of that is really good business process information for companies as they go through and they try and look at their industrial processes and what they're asking people to do. Kind of like a no-brainer, like you think of Porsche and having to fly people out to different locations. They, they would save this money back in no time by getting these glasses. Yeah, well, they're already talking about um, a 40% uh, saving. 
Wow. Uh, in, in terms of the time for this kind of work. What other uh, applications uh, have you seen? Um, well, we, we've seen um, applications in manufacturing. You can imagine the cost of downtime on a manufacturing line. Um, and if that's down for any significant period, uh, you're losing a lot of money because yes. you're not producing any product. So in a number of cases, those people would have somebody on the ground on call 24-7 to be able to troubleshoot that or getting somebody on an airplane to come very quickly and fix whatever's wrong with uh, the production line. Um, so uh, we've, we've also got um, use cases in aviation. You imagine there's a plane that's stuck at an airport because whatever problem is uh, caused the plane to be grounded, whatever mechanical issue, for example, um, if you can't resolve that quickly and you're in some remote airport, um, then you, it's going to be cost a lot of money, that plane out of service. Uh, and, and you can, uh, what is amazing about this particular um, part of the AR world is whatever industry you think about, there's an application and an application that could actually save people a lot of money. And we're probably not even thinking about ones that'll be here in five years yet. Yeah, and and we're, we're the and it's not just about money. It's also about quality. It's also about safety. Um, so when you capture what people do when they're working um, on industrial equipment, and you are able to analyze that information, you can figure out how to do things more quickly, how to do things more safely, how to do things more reliably with greater quality. So there's a lot of benefits. Talking with Jeff Wheelwright from Athir. Where can people find out more information about this? Uh, you can go to our website. It's athirair.com, A-T-H-E-E-R-A-I-R.com. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. Thank you. When we come back, more tech to talk here on Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Network. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. A little bit of time left in today's program. Uh, joined uh, by my co-host, uh, Graham Williams. Graham uh, you have an app of the week for us. I do indeed. And this app is called Oilist. And this is a very neat one because it's not a photo filter. It essentially is uh, some machine learning that takes your pictures and by choosing a number of different styles from impressionism to abstract, it paints the image in front of you. And it paints it like an oil painting. It's going to be distinct and unique each time. So even if you go back and uh, choose that same image again with those same um styles again, you'll end up with a different image. So it renders this like an oil painting with some very cool details. Um, you got a very neat look and you can also use the accelerometer on your phone to affect how the paint is laid down. So you can tip and tilt your phone a little way to uh, to give the, uh, the, the paint some weight. Uh, it's a very cool way of, uh, of playing with this phone and coming up with something that is absolutely unique that nobody else can do because it is individually created each time. Thank you, Graham. Don't forget to listen to our sister show every Sunday here on CKNW and across the Chorus uh, Radio Network. It's uh, 10 a.m. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Uh, Sunday mornings. Uh, that's Vancouver time. It's called The App Show, and we talk about the world of apps. We've got uh, iPhone tips, Android tips, how to use Facebook better, some of the hottest uh, game apps, travel apps, some crazy apps uh, as well. We even have a Hot 5 countdown. Tomorrow is going to be the Hot 5 apps for better mornings. We'll also be talking uh, with a guest about your fitness app that may be tracking everything you do. There's uh, one that actually has revealed a number of uh, military sites around the world. We'll find out more about that. So all the time we have left on today's program. This is Mike and Graham logging off for Get Connected. We will see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, 
TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.